Thank you for joining us for our 21 days of prayer. It's our hope that during this month, you will encounter God in a fresh way. We're asking God together to open our eyes, to light our path, and to lead the way. Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's my prayer that this podcast will encourage you to spend all day today in an attitude of prayer as you continue on this 21-day journey with us. I ran across this song not too long ago, and it's taken directly from the Lord's Prayer like so many other songs, but I just felt like this one was different enough that I needed to spend some more time with it. And I think it has just a really powerful message because not only does this song talk about the words from the Lord's Prayer in a way that I think is really uh, personal, but at one point it's just singing, we believe God, we believe in the love of our Father. And that's something I think we need uh, these days. Our Father in heaven, your name lives forever. Your kingdom shall come down and your will be done. You are our provider. You know what we need And forgive us our failures As we will forgive We pray for open heavens Come fill this place with your presence We pray for open heavens We're ready for you out all temptation and free us from evil you are the redeemer our savior in need for yours is the kingdom and yours is the power yours is the glory this we believe we pray for open heavens Come fill this place with your presence We pray for open heavens We're ready for you We're ready for you We pray for open heavens Come fill this place with your presence We pray for open heavens We're ready for you We're ready for you
Father, we believe, we believe, we believe in the love of our Father. In the love of our Father, we believe, we believe, we believe in the love of our Father. We pray, we pray for open heavens. Come fill this place with your presence. shall come down and your will be done you are our provider you know what we need and forgive us our failures as we will forgive for yours is the kingdom and yours is the power yours is the glory this we believe for yours is the kingdom and yours is the power yours is the glory this we believe for yours for yours is the kingdom and yours is the power for yours is the glory this we believe last time Yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, yours is the glory, this we I need something higher Higher than the world could understand Foolish as the cross 
humble as the price you paid, and wisdom of a kingdom made to last. Cause I don't want to build this life. On Babylon's of bricks and pride Sitting on a fault line bound to quake I'd rather be a bedrock fool Who trusts in nothing less than you When every other sure thing surely fails Lead me to the rock Lift me from the sinking sand I'm sorry for the junk I took For grace Don't let it take a fall To bring me to my knees again But if that's what I need I'll take my place Cause I don't want to build this house with rubble from the same old ground Sitting on a fault line bound to quake I'm banking on a Roman frame The bedrock of an empty grave When every other sure thing surely fails The Lord through it all through the wind and the storm On this rock I'll stand Lord, through it all Lord, through it all Through the wind and the storm On this rock I'll stand One more time, Lord, through it all Lord, through it all through the wind and the storm, on this rock I'll stand. Empires may fold, empires may fold, pillars fail, people fall, but your words still stand. Age after age, age after age. Till the earth fades away, still your kingdom stands. Name above, name above names. Jesus, I need your grace, cause the world's gone mad. Lead me to, lead me to the rock. Cause I need something higher Higher than the world could understand Foolish as the cross Humble as the price you paid The wisdom of a kingdom made to last Heavenly Father, today uh, we make that our prayer we need you to lead us. We need you to teach us of a kingdom that is beyond this world, a kingdom that is beyond our experience, a kingdom that is different from the rules and practices of our earthly lives, a kingdom that isn't based on power, it isn't based on self-sufficiency, 
but a kingdom that is based on surrender to the one who made us one with his son. Jesus, by your spirit, would you fill this place today? And wherever people are participating, whether online, uh, at their homes, listening to a podcast in their car, however they're experiencing this, Lord, we just ask that you would fill this place with your presence and open our hearts and our minds to the way you would lead us. Lord Jesus, just light our path. Thank you for giving us this time together. Thank you for giving us this morning. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I was hoping to have an opportunity to share with you another video, uh, but there was an encoding problem in the video, and so hopefully we'll uh, get to show you that one tomorrow. But in the process of thinking through the last couple of days, you know, reflecting, last night I was reflecting over some of the things that I've been uh, thinking about and reading from the last couple of days, um, a thought came to my mind. Uh, there's been this passage that God has been leading me into for the past couple of days. It's in Romans. Romans chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12, but mostly 9 through 11, are Paul trying to wrestle with this idea of what does it mean that there are Israelites who aren't followers of Jesus? Like they've been waiting their entire lives for the Messiah, and now the Messiah has actually come, and Paul is confused, why don't they follow Jesus? Why, why don't these Israelites follow him? And uh, he's like just absolutely confused why they would believe a falsehood about Jesus, why they would be so distracted or dismayed or, or fall into the false teaching that Jesus isn't who he claimed to be, especially after all the proof that Jesus gave. And, and I sympathize with Paul a lot. Uh, there's a, a lot of frustration I have in my own heart and mind when I look at people who don't believe the same thing that I believe. And I wonder, why is it that, um, that I might understand this and they don't? And that came together with, some, with one, an experience that I had on Sunday. On Sunday, I was teaching through um, this end section of 2 Samuel. And there's this brief mention in there of the barley harvest. And in the end of that passage, we are told that there was this famine, and then uh, King David starts to solve the problem, but he doesn't actually solve the problem. And as he starts to solve the problem, it says, and the barley harvest was beginning. And the reason that's fascinating is because the exact same phrase shows up in the book of Ruth. And I mentioned this on Sunday. I said at the end of the book of Ruth, there's a mention of the barley harvest beginning because that's sort of a symbol that the writers were using to demonstrate that hope was on the horizon, that change was coming, that God's provision was still part of the plan. And as I was sharing that on Sunday, I had this realization. I said that it happened at the end of the book of Ruth, but as I was explaining that whole thing, I realized it's not at the end of the book of Ruth. It's like in the middle of the book of Ruth. In fact, it's at the end of chapter 1. And it makes such a better point when you realize that that barley harvest line comes at the end of chapter 1 because the solution hasn't happened yet. And it's the exact same thing that happens in the story of David in 2 Samuel. David starts to solve this injustice problem, but he doesn't actually solve it yet. But it's when he starts to solve the injustice problem that the barley harvest comment is, is mentioned. 
And so it's got this real strong parallel between the book of Ruth and the book of 2 Samuel. And because Ruth is so directly tied to David himself, I mean, Ruth was his grandmother. And so because of that, it's just this really cool picture, right? This, this really cool picture, great-grandmother, it's this really cool picture of God's intervention going on in David's life. But here's the thing. On Sunday, as I was mentioning it, I had already said that it was at the end of the book of Ruth. And when I realized that I was probably wrong about the positioning of that statement, I decided to just run with it. And I didn't correct myself because that was too embarrassing. I was like, well, let's just go ahead and let that one hang out there. And if someone actually finds out that it's not in that right place, then maybe they'll forgive me. And it's one of these things where I just sort of wrestle internally with this idea of what does it mean to be wrong? What does it mean to be wrong about something? I mean, it's one thing to be wrong and to know that you're wrong. Because that's the place where you are when you're motivated to learn. That's the place where you are when you're motivated to pick up Google and tap it in and be like, okay, so who was the actress in that one particular obscure movie ages ago? And so when you know you don't know, or at least when you know that you're wrong about something, that's the time you'll learn. That's the time you'll pick it up. But the thing that frightens me is any of the times when I know I'm wrong, but I've already declared something to be the case. And then I don't want to backpedal on that. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong to other people because that's embarrassing. Or, even worse, the times when I am wrong, but I think I'm right. That's a scary place to be. I don't want to be in that place. And that's the place where the Israelites were when Paul was trying to ask the question of what's going on with his countrymen. Why don't they follow Jesus? And so he... As he's thinking about this, as he's trying to process this, in Romans 10, he says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. God has worked through Christ to make righteousness available to literally everybody. But here are these Israelites who say, no, we're going to do it our own way. No, we're going to, we don't understand God's righteousness. We don't understand that whole Jesus thing that you're talking about. We can't believe that Jesus thing that you're talking about. So we're going to just make righteousness on our own. In fact, they were doing that for ages before Jesus. They were trying to follow the Moses law and just make righteousness on their own. And Paul says it's a shame that they've gotten so much into this mindset of trying to do it on their own that they can't surrender to the righteousness that God makes available to them freely through Jesus. How is it that they're so misguided? Well, then it gets really super scary in Romans 11. Paul says, so what then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. They sought the righteousness, but they couldn't obtain it because that's unreachable. But the elect among them did. But the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day 
And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. Both of these Old Testament passages that, this, that Paul quotes, both of them are referencing the fact that the people can't see the truth right in front of them. But one of them is David saying, I want it to be that way. May God do this. And the other one is saying, God did this. God is the one who gave them a spirit of stupor and eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear. Even Jesus himself would say, if you have ears to hear, then hear. Jesus is the one who would say, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And the truth is that in Scripture we see this time and time again. When a person chooses to try to do life without God, God is eager to accommodate that. And he will remove himself from them. And he will remove his knowledge from them. And in many cases... Scripture will tell us that God can even harden their hearts. And we don't know what comes first. Is it that they rejected God and then God responded by hardening their hearts in their rejection? Or is that God in his sovereignty for whatever reason decided to start hardening their hearts and as a result they reject him? Scripture never gives us an order of those two things. It just simply tells us that both of those things are happening. And so when I look at the world around me and I see people who clearly aren't getting who Jesus is, there's Paul's passage here that would indicate to me that maybe at least for some of them, God has hardened their hearts. Maybe at least for some of them, God has actually given them a spirit of stupor. For whatever reason, I don't know. But I tell you what, that scares me in this way. I don't want to be one of those people with a hard heart. I don't want to be one of those people with eyes that are darkened. I don't want to be one of those people who's lost in the stupor. And so I pray today, Lord, lead my path. I pray today, Lord, I want to follow you, not me. Because if I'm going to follow myself, if I'm going to pursue my own righteousness, I'm going to miss it. If I'm trying to follow my own path, you'll let me and maybe even harden my heart towards that. I don't want that. What I want is I want God for you to lead my path. And if you lead my path towards something that I can't understand, like Jesus and his cross, if you lead my path towards something I don't understand, I still am going to go there. Because Lord, all the rest of the world is dark to me. I just want you to lead my path. And that's what I want our prayer to be this week. I want us to be people who are saying, God, completely, I need you to light this path in front of me. You've opened my eyes to a lot of things, but I still don't know the big picture. So Lord, just light my path. And maybe today for some of us, that's going to be an acknowledgement of things that we've done wrong or things that we've thought wrong. Maybe for some of us, that's going to be uh, just the awareness that I'm never going to be able to argue that other person into God's plan for their life. Maybe for, for us today, we just need to realize that the path is a step at a time that God is going to light for me. And I'm going to pray that God does that for me. And I'm going to pray that God does that for the other people in my life too. At least just one more step. We don't have to get all the way to the destination, but Lord, would you just 
lead the way. Lord, would you just light my path? Lord, would you just allow me to see one step ahead? Because I can be so wrong with the steps that I want to take. This morning, let's turn our hearts towards prayer. Reflecting on yesterday and how God has moved in your life yesterday, how he's moving in your life, in this phase of your life. And then spending some time in prayer and reading and reflection over what today holds and what's coming up soon. And let's enter into that time of prayer. But don't lose out on the opportunity today to share with someone what God reveals to you, if anything, in your time with him this morning. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you speak into our hearts? Would you lead us into your word? And would you help us to be people who see your path in front of us and are not obsessed with following our own? Lord, would you light our path and allow us to take that step closer to you today? Lord, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. God loves you. And his plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.